Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott, physically distancing as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, good uh, afternoon. How do you do? It's, uh, I, I do. I do. That's good. Uh, yeah, we, you know, it's a, a beautiful day here in the nation's capital, as you would call it. Uh, and I don't know, I, we had uh, our AGM last night for curling and it got us thinking and wanting to talk some curling stuff. So that's what we're here for. Yeah. Yeah. So the return to curl guidelines, we talked about those a few months ago and really we've been talking about it all summer in terms of what the return to play will look like at curling facilities across not just Canada, but really around the world and how the game will look as we get into the new season And as Scott mentioned last night, was the annual general meeting for the Ottawa Curling Club, which is where we play. And for as much as we do talk about the elite level players and the big events, at our core, we are rec level curlers who enjoy going into curling facilities and playing recreationally. And that's where our love of the sport comes from. That's where I spend the majority of my recreational time in the winter would be going to curling events uh, at the recreational level so this return to play these guidelines they've been really they, they've i don't know like when they came out i was okay with them maybe skeptical on a few things and now that we're at the point scott where the rubber is hitting the road if you will of you know, you actually have to go out and do it if you're going to play. That's where I'm really starting to get conflicted on some of these things. And listening to the general meeting last night and some of the back and forth that that went on there, as well as hearing from stories or hearing stories from people on social media about their experiences, those who have played and those who have chosen not to play, it's really got me thinking about what this winter is going to be not only for me, but for people around the world who really rely on curling as that social event in the winter. There's not much to do in the winter. Uh, you know, if, if you're not going out and doing some sort of physical activity, right? It's not, it's not the summer where you can go for a, a patio or go for a casual stroll in the park, at least in most of the country. So these guidelines are, I think, really important for not just the economics of curling, but also the, the, the mental health of so many folks across the country. Yeah, I think when we talk about these guidelines, you know, it's easy to say, oh, everybody will just do it and it'll be fine. But it, does, it doesn't come without risks. There, There's always going to be a risk if you're going into a space with a bunch of people. And for a lot of people, I think they're trying to weigh, is are the risks worth what I get out of it? And that sort of that was the sentiment I got from the questions being asked last night 
was a lot of people are saying, I don't think this is safe enough and it's not, it's not worth it to, you know, like if I go curling and catch COVID, like will the curling have been enough of a benefit to me to warrant the downside that comes with, you know, now I'm sick and a lot of bad things can happen. So, so yeah, I think that's a conversation that's going to have to happen, you know, within each household of people who's going to go curling, you know, and it, it, it's really an individual thing, but uh, it's on a lot of people's minds and, and frankly, it's on my mind too. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's something that uh, it's, I think it's just going to persist through the season and we should note too, that we are in Ottawa, which is a hot spot right now. So our feelings on it, I'm sure, are influenced by that. You know, if you live in a community that has low case numbers or hopefully in some cases no cases right now, your perception of it is going to be different. I think that's totally valid. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and that's why Curling Canada didn't come out and mandate the same thing across the board because the situation is different everywhere. So everybody, like I say, everybody's going to have to evaluate this individually, which makes it very hard for a club uh, to say, these are our rules because everybody's going to be different, right? Some people won't feel comfortable with the extent of the rules. Some people will think they're too strict. So, so yeah, it's, and, and it's hard for clubs to plan, you know, how many people are going to be there because every situation is different and what works for one club won't work for another and what works for one person won't work for another. So a lot, a lot is up in the air for sure. So let's get into some of the issues that were raised last night and, and have been raised uh, by folks that, that I've been communicating with on social media. And the first one that I think is front of mind for most people right now is uh, masks. Uh, and the presence of masks on the ice. And at the Ottawa Curling Club, what was cited was the World Health Organization's recommendation that people not wear masks while exercising, which is fair. So I went and looked at the World Health Organization's guidelines and said, uh, no mask while exercising because it's more difficult to breathe. The sweat makes a mask wet, which promotes the growth of microorganisms. And okay. Then I thought to myself, how much of the time that you are on a curling sheet would you consider as exercising as a percentage of the time that you're out there? And I would say it's a very low percentage. And then I would say for skips, it's like 0%. <laughs> um Right. You know, so, so I think I, I, when, when I'm thinking about this, the idea that people won't have masks on, honestly, especially skips, that is concerning to me, unless we're going with just hand signals and you can't talk, you know, Disney put out this thing on their rides. They asked people to uh, yell or scream within their heart or something. <laughs> uh, they didn't want people on roller coasters, like yelling, like you normally would. So just do it within your heart. Maybe we can, have people tell you to sweep within their heart. <laughs> um, but, but honestly, that is a concern for me because 
you know, if you see skips yelling and if this is a disease that is spread through the droplets, like those droplets when you're yelling will go farther than six feet sometimes. And that that's one of these things where I understand that if you're running a marathon, you probably shouldn't wear masks. But if you're out curling, could it be a situation where you take it off in certain situations where you're exerting yourself, but the rest of the time you have it on? That's what kept coming to my mind of, can there be a middle ground between never at all or always? Yeah. And I, I think the World Health Organization recommendation makes sense if you're, like you say, running a marathon, exercising in a gym, maybe at room temperature, but in a, a an ice box, that's basically the curling club, right? It's like there's poor air circulation already. Yeah. Having a bunch of people likely coughing because it's going to be wintertime. People will have, you know, get a little caught in their throat. I keep some, uh, some halls at the curling club all the time just because yeah. During a game, it's nice to, you know, maybe uh, coat the throat a little bit. And, and and yeah, like you say, the skips, yes, wear a mask. Like, it's not a big deal. And, and, and I think people will take that to mean, oh, I'm on the ice shed. I don't need to wear my mask anymore, which I, is not really the spirit to my mind of, of wearing a mask. It's not because you're still crowded in there it's i during sweeping if we're going to go with the one sweeper rule fine i that's fine with me uh the way that curling canada has drawn it up where you stop sweeping at the far hog line you're never close enough to other people i think it's okay yeah but but like and like like you say skips should but that other sweeper the person who's not sweeping should have a mask on yeah, everybody should except the one person sweeping, in my opinion. Right. But so, but that's not the way that it's been laid out. And, you know, I, I would hope that most people would decide to wear one anyway. But it's really hard to make somebody if you don't make it a rule. Yeah, and, and it's hard to for the rest of the players to to enforce anything either. We talked about it when we had Curling Geek on earlier when the Curling Canada guidelines came out that a lot of this is just going to be the socializing of or the socialization within the club and that if there are people who don't want to follow the guidelines, it's going to be on the community of players to enforce them. But if there's no rule that says masks are mandatory, then it's harder for the rest of the players. If they're more comfortable with masks to enforce anything. Right. And, and I don't, I don't want anybody to be in a position where they show up to the club to play their game. They're going to wear a mask. They want everyone to wear a mask. The other team shows up and says, we're not wearing the mask while we play. And that person is in either a very uncomfortable situation that they're going to be in some proximity with people who are not masks. And if that makes them uncomfortable, that's unfortunate. Or they're going to leave. And yeah. that's not good for anybody either. So it, it could lead to some unfortunate situations at facilities across the country. And 
this is something that we've seen if you if you follow any of these mask debates on social media, people showing up and being rude to frontline workers because they don't want to wear a mask. Like these are the people showing up. And yeah. there, you know, there was a story that the on CBC yesterday of a restaurant in Calgary that was getting threats from people because their servers were wearing masks. And you're like, come, like, come on. Right. Like, and that's the sort of stuff that the curling community has been immune from because in the f- spring curling just stopped. So this yeah. is going to be the first instance now of what, what is going to happen on the ice for people. We, we've seen some good examples of what's been going on out East. They've had some events, they've had people out on the ice and it seems to be going well. Most of the people are masked and, my hope is that that is the norm that people want to be masked when they're on the ice. Yeah. I, th- I think it, it, it would really be a shame. Like you said, if somebody didn't feel comfortable and had to not play or leave because yeah. other people wouldn't, w- wouldn't do what's needed to make that person feel safe. Yeah. And and we've heard from a bunch of folks on social media. I I put out a tweet yesterday asking people what they were excited about for the season, what made them nervous for the season. And we did hear from a bunch of folks who have said that they're not going to play because their facilities are not mandating masks on the ice. And again, that that by no means is that going to be a representative sample of all players across the country. But anecdotally, the folks that we've heard from, that does seem to be an issue. And I find it curious that here in Ottawa, at least, that masks are mandated in all public spaces. Even, Scott, you live in a, a condo building. I live in an apartment building. In the public spaces within our buildings, yeah. they are required. Uh, so it does strike me as a little strange that at a curling club, they're not going to be mandated on the ice. And, you know, I, I, not to make light of it, because I know that there are people who do sweat when they sweep that do exert a lot of energy when they're sweeping. I would just suggest that that is going to be one eighth of the people on the sheet at any given time. So having no masks for everybody or not requiring masks for everybody because of that strikes me as not, not necessarily finding the greatest balance. No, no, you're right. You're right. And, like you say, I, you and I, I think, are people who sweat when we sweep. Uh, yeah. Me probably more than you because I'm in worse shape. But uh, <laughs> uh, but but like you say, it's not very long. It's like maybe 20 seconds at a time. And I can deal with it. If, yeah. if you want to go watch Curling Geek's sweeping demo, it was fine. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, even, even that too, if you want to not have it on when you're sweeping, okay. Cause you're not really getting that close to anybody else. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, you know, and you know, there's really, there's no sweeping in the house. So, you know, that does shorten up the distance a little bit. You're mm-hmm. not going to be as close to the thrower when they, uh, as they're throwing. So the amount of ice you have to cover is less in this environment as well. And presumably, you're only going to be sweeping half of the rocks. 
that your team throws if you're yeah. a front end player. So, yeah. it, you know, there, there's just a lot in there in, in terms of the mass that, yeah, I, I do think there, there should be some sort of balance. And, and again, I say, I, I think skip should wear them. I, I know that they, I, I, I was, I was watching the meeting last night and I'm thinking of all the skips who, would be like, yeah, I'm totally out there exercising. You're just like, come on, <laughs> no, you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like, come on. And and I understand why like Brandon Botcher sits down when the other team calls a timeout or is just taking a long time because he's out there and it's a long week and he's playing two three hour games a day. The skips in our league who go sk- sit down, I'm like, come on, we're out here for an hour and a half. Like, you're you're a 40 year old man. Like, come oh. on, you can stand for this long. Oh, my so, feet are tired. Uh. Yeah. So, so I, so I don't know. So, so the mass stuff, yeah, that's going to be something that will be a, a, a potential issue for people. The other thing I'm, I'm curious about, Scott, that that is in reference to mask is that obviously masks are not mandated in the warm area of the club while seated and having a drink. They're mandated when you are entering the club, as you wait to play, um, as you get to your table. But once you get to your table, just like a restaurant, if anyone's been in a restaurant so far, I, I have not, uh, but I've seen pictures of people in restaurants that, you walk to your table, then you and sit down, and then you take your mask off. That is going to be the case at uh, curling facilities, at least the ones that uh, I've been reading about. And this is another case, Scott, where how comfortable do you feel? Again, now that we're into this space with that environment, that social space after the game, where people won't have their mask on because they will be drinking. Um, yeah, sorry, the uh, garbage truck just got here and is <laughs> really uh, going to town. Uh, uh, it's it's one of those things that that's how it is. And like you say, that's how it is in restaurants. And different people have different levels of comfort with going to a restaurant. Uh, like you say, you haven't been. I've been on a patio. That's all. But uh you know, some people are not going to feel comfortable and will just go home and not stay and have a drink, right? Yep. Uh, so for the people that do want to stay, I think they're the kind of people that will feel comfortable with the risk. And hopefully for the club, that's not too many people that will abstain. But... But, yeah, that, that that was one of the interesting questions that was asked last night of the treasurer was if people do not stay, like basically if the bar does not generate revenue for the for the Ottawa Curling Club this year, will the club be financially viable? And the answer was yes. Uh, the, the, the club would do better with revenue from the bar. They're losing kitchen revenue this year. They're not opening their kitchen, but would the the club be in dire straits without it? And and the club apparently from what we were presented would be okay with that. Now I know that that is not the case at all curling facilities across the country, as some of them really do require the bar sales to supplement the low curling fees that they have. So that is going to be an issue potentially. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. Um, 
and that comes down to the question that we've been talking about in past shows about curlers feeling somewhat entitled to low fees to play. Right. Uh, if you compare the cost of the sport to the cost of other winter sports, uh, comparable, you know, like hockey and uh, ringette, I guess. Uh, I can't think of anything else. Maybe skating. Uh, it's it's pretty cheap compared yeah. to those things. And it, it's sort of the roots of it being, you know, mostly volunteer clubs across Canada, uh, mostly volunteers keeping the ice, doing all that sort of stuff. Uh, you can keep costs down. But when when it comes to now it's time, you know, for for the club membership to really step up and help keep their club viable, a lot of people unfortunately aren't in the position to do it because of uh, COVID-19 and are also maybe less inclined to volunteer as much because they don't want to be around people as much. So yeah, it's, you know, it's one thing for our club to, to say, Oh, we'll be fine. And we will be because it's well-managed and has, has a lot of, uh, a supportive membership base, but it's not the case for everybody. Right. Yeah. And we're in a town too, that has not been economically hit as hard as other places either. Course, like we yeah. should acknowledge that, right. That Ottawa is the primary employer here is the federal government of Canada. And uh, so that's where the majority of your membership base is coming from. It has not been hit really. I don't think I haven't heard of any cutbacks at this point in the federal government, um, I'm sure there have been reductions in certain areas, definitely. And the other place or the other main industry in Ottawa is high tech, um, mm-hmm. high tech or just tech. Um, so, you know, and, and those type like Shopify is a major employer here. And that's a company that's done quite well with uh, the, the transition online and increasing online sales during yeah. the pandemic. So, you know, Ottawa has been somewhat insulated. Not everyone, of course, but on average, Ottawa is doing better than some other places across the country economically. So for the, the curling facilities here, they're, as a result, in a slightly better position than other places. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, it, it's pretty important to remember that. You know, it's easy for us sitting here in our, uh, in our ivory towers, uh, <laughs> uh, judging the rest of the country, but definitely there's a lot of other people that have been hit hard and uh, young families especially are going to have a much more difficult time to justify one parent or both parents getting out, you know, to curl one night a week uh, given the lack of access to childcare and bubbling and all that sort of stuff. So lots to consider. Yeah. And, and we even, th- with in terms of parents too, another issue that wasn't really raised last night, but was kind of tangentially is the issue that kids are in school now and there's already report, there's already a school in Ottawa that's been shut down. Uh, kids have been sent home with, you know, runny noses, although BC, I think it was BC yesterday announced a bit of a change in that policy, but we're in a position too, where you know, if your kid is sent home because potentially they've been exposed at school, you then can't turn around and go to the curling club to play your game either. No. So the, the question there is, 
if there's a likelihood that your kids are going to be sent home or there's at least the potential of that, is there enough value for you in, in paying a membership knowing that you might have to miss a bunch of games because of that? Or mm-hmm. what about spare policies? There's a rule here in Ontario that any sports leagues can only have 50 people in them. And if you have the league right now has 12 teams in it in the way the, the Ottawa club is set up, that's 48 people. Well, that doesn't really leave a lot of room for spares at all. And yeah. this is a year where people, I think, are going to be more cautious. You know, someone said last night that in years past, maybe if you had a little cough, you go and play your game and maybe you don't shake hands with other people and you leave right away, that sort of thing. This year, you're not going to do that, or hopefully no one's going to do that. And that, again, creates uncertainty in terms of the numbers. Can you get a spare? Can you not? One of the questions last night was, what if you play with two players? Uh, because last minute somebody can't come. Is that okay? Uh, so, you know, all these type of alternatives that are going to have to be considered as we move forward if we want any sort of recreational curling season to happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing that we've covered a lot and was spoken about last night is the, the ice is going in. And that's a pretty big upfront expense for a lot of clubs. And if, from the clubs that have decided not to proceed with their season or that have delayed starting the season, a big factor is that once you put that ice in, you're you're kind of on the hook to keep it in because canceling again would, you know, would just be a disaster for a yeah. lot of places, right? Yeah, uh, unless you set up some sort of policy where you say to the the people who are in your league, say, hey, you know, pay the fees up front. We'll try and play it. If we can't play it, like we're sorry, but we're not in a financial position to do refunds, which again, that's going to be tough for a lot of folks uh, across the country. And maybe that would prevent people from playing. I don't know. But those are discussions that I would imagine will have to take place at some point. And, and I know at a lot of clubs, they already have that clubs have said this is the deal like there are going to be no refunds right right and they have to right yeah because financially it's the only way to work so you know i I guess as we as we think about it scott one of the questions that I, i wrote down here after the meeting last night was and you mentioned weighing the potential risks back and forth and for me the question is what is the value of recreational curling and that that's what I'm trying to understand and, and assess for me just on a personal level is where is the value of going to the game? What is that value to me? Because in normal times, if we can remember what normal times were, mm-hmm. um, I would, I would, ne- I would never be home. Like I would never be in my apartment. I would get up, I would go to work, uh, and then I would either go to campus to teach a class at night or I would come home real quick, grab stuff and go to the club. That was really my life in the winter. And now that I'm home all the time, I'm trying to assess where curling, the value of curling is for me. Because before it was a way to unwind from the teaching and the, the work and everything. And it was a relaxing moment for me. 
which is why I would get mad at you when you would get mad. And I'd be like, we're not at work. Like, I'm not at work. Like, why are you like, this is relaxing time. Knock it off. Mm-hmm. Um, but now in this environment, I, I like my apartment, but I said this on the live show we did on Monday. I also like leaving my apartment and the possibility of being exposed at the curling club and potentially getting it and having to stay inside for two weeks straight, even in January or February, if it's minus 30 and snowing, I don't, that that's for me where my risk tolerance is. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins, who's the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings for now, uh, said a few weeks ago that for him, he wasn't concerned about getting it for himself. Like his position was, if I get it, like I don't want to get it, but if I get it, either I'll, I'll get better or I'll die. And he, he's like, I'm okay with that, but I'm going to mask and I'm going to socially distance because that's respectful towards other people. Yeah. And he got flack for that for some reason, but I, I think that's reasonable. And for, for me, the way I look at it is, yeah, I don't want to get it, but what activities am I willing to do to that, that would put me at risk, right? Going to the grocery store presents some level of risk. Um, that, that, cause you're going to be around other people. So I'm doing everything I can. My bubble is incredibly small. Um, basically it's one person essentially. I've seen you like once or twice since, yeah. since March in person. Um, and, and, you know, I'm doing all of these things and when it comes to curling, it's, I'm really struggling with that is to, to how much uh, does the game and going to play the game, like how much value does it provide me given the risk, not only to my health, which I am conscious of, but also just to the, the wider lifestyle that I have now somewhat become accustomed to and uh, going outside, going for walks every day. That, that, that is something that I legitimately struggle with, particularly given that I don't think I'm comfortable with the social side of the sport right now, that I don't think I would sit in the lounge without a mask and have a drink. I think I would play and leave. So for me, it's really trying to assess the value of the game. Right. And, you know, for you, Sean, you, um, I I don't think you mind me saying this, but you're pretty, you take care of yourself. You know, you, you do stretching and working out in your apartment. Uh, almost every day. And for somebody like me, I don't do that. Uh, And so going curling is one of my ways that I stay active. Sure. Uh, And in the summer it's softball and, you know, softball is not incredibly taxing physically. You drink a beer during the game. (laughs) You, you can drink a beer during the game, but I'm saying, I'm saying you drink a beer during uh, the game. Not every game. Come on now. Uh, but, but you know, it is a chance to get out and run a little bit, uh, be outside. Uh, and it's one of those things that I've missed this summer. So unless I want to start, you know, becoming best friends with, Adrian from yoga with Adrian. Uh, I, for me, the, the physical activity is is enough of a benefit. I think right now Mm -hmm. is enough of a benefit to me to want to be able to go and do that two once or twice a week. 
Uh, sure. You're right. You're right about the the warm side. I don't think it's worth it to pay, you know, nine dollars for a beer and I might get COVID when I can come home and drink the same beer that I bought for four bucks. Uh, so, so that on that side, I get you. But that's like I say, it's an individual equation that everyone is going to have to weigh for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's a wrong answer either. I, I noticed yeah. that that we've we've seen on on social media some people really kind of pushing this idea that do what's right for you uh, and mm-hmm. do what you're comfortable with. There is no wrong answer. I was really pleased last night. One of the questions was if you choose not to play this year as a team. You know, one of the things at the Ottawa Club, Ottawa Curling Club, is that the leagues are pretty much full every year. The Thursday League, I don't think, has seen a new team, certainly in the three years I've been there. I don't remember any turnover of teams. So one of the concerns that people have or had was, will I lose my spot? And they were assured last night that, no, if you don't play this year, you still have your priority spot for next year. I think that's a really good idea a really good move that the the club has made and yeah. it allows people then to do things or, or make decisions that are comfortable for them whatever works for you is okay if you choose not to play because you're not comfortable that's fine and if yeah. you want to play if you choose to play that's fine too the position I think of this show is do so in a respectful manner, follow all the guidelines and be courteous to your fellow players. Yeah, that's the position of this show. I'd agree. Yeah. The, the only other thing I wanted to talk about, Scott, from this is there was no discussion last night of alternatives to the traditional four person games. They really mm-hmm. pushed the four person games. It seemed to me that it was based I don't want to say exclusively, but uh, maybe primarily on the financials of it, that having uh, four members to a team certainly is better than having three members to a team on the financial side of it. But I, I would be more inclined if we could go to, or at least explore some alternatives. One of the ideas that I had was uh, if you have a four person team, you play two sets of two on two. Mm-hmm. So instead of being out there for two hours, you're out there for one hour and it's two on two and it's a cumulative score over the night, over the two hours. So you're still playing, you know, team Smith against team Graham. Yeah. Uh, but it's just sort of two pairs of it. I, some stuff like that alternatives. I would have liked to see those pursued. I understand that there are so many uh, problems with doing that and added logistical measures that need to be put in place for them. But I was a little surprised that we didn't see here in Ottawa, and I haven't seen too much of it other than, you know, a couple of triples leagues mm-hmm. that we've heard of. I haven't seen too much of clubs uh, and curling facilities pushing towards alternatives to the four-person games with the exception of mixed doubles leagues that already are in place. And as I said, some triples leagues. So were you surprised by that as well? Yeah, I, I was really surprised. And even the idea that let's see how the first couple of months goes. Let's reevaluate at Christmas and let's see, uh, do we want to continue with the way things are going? Uh, do we want to cut down to maybe a triples league? Uh, maybe do the two on two, like you suggest. Um, I, 
I, I don't think we need to set in stone right now how curling is going to look for the next six months. Yeah, I agree. I th- there's there's definite room to maneuver. Uh, it, usually uh, in the league we play in, there's four draws uh, that are each five weeks, six weeks. Six, six. weeks, I guess. Yeah. So, so then, you know, there was some talk, okay, let's cram the first 12 games into, or the first 10 games into the time before Christmas so that after Christmas we can mix up the teams again and it'll be a new league to get around the, the league restrictions. Yes. Uh, um, that's fine. Okay. I don't think it's that big a deal to do it. Uh, like, I don't think it's necessary, but, but yeah, I'd, I wanted to see a little bit more creativity on that side. That said, registration isn't closed yet right. uh, for the Ottawa Curling Club. And, and I haven't paid anything yet because, uh, because I don't have a team right now. So, so like I can understand them wanting to keep things sort of the way they are until they solidify numbers. And maybe once those numbers are, are in for good, there can be some talk about, Hey, li- listen, we didn't get enough teams to fill this league. Let's maybe divide the players up and make it a mixed doubles league or a doubles right. league. Uh, some sort of creative thinking in that sense. What do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. And and it would also be a chance for places to f- get a feel for how people react to those things. And could it be a, a situation where instead of having two draws of four people games, you can fit in and this is moving forward again in normal times, instead of the, the, the normal, say, two draws a night, you could go to four draws a night of doubles. And it doesn't hurt your total numbers of people who would be there, uh, but maybe you attract new people and uh, you know just make it so that it's not as much of a time commitment. Uh, that, that sort of thing. It, and I'm still convinced that somewhere this is happening, and I just haven't heard of it yet, that some curling facility is going to be super innovative and change the business model of curling in this country. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's going to be done through this. So I'm, I'm still convinced that that will take place. And I'm, I'm just a little surprised that we haven't, or at least I, that I haven't really heard of that yet, that people are really focused on, and maybe this is the way it, it should be. And if I was in charge, maybe I would be doing the same thing that the focus really seems to be, how can we get the four person games as normal to take place? Yeah, and and you know, from our perspective, at a club like ours that is full and pretty successful, maybe maybe we're not seeing it because we're not the ones that need to do it. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I'd love to hear from somebody on Twitter about uh, cool things that are going on at their club. Yeah, if there's something different going on, let us know. We want to know about it. Uh, so Scott, last question. Every year that we've done this show, which I guess is now, this is our third sort of back to curling season mm-hmm. that we've uh, that we've entered. Each year we've talked about how excited we are for the the sport to be back, to be able to go to the club and play. Where is your level of anticipation this year? Is it? If on a scale from Kevin Cooey 
looking at the house in the first end of the first Saturday of the Briar to Kevin Cooey getting that massive airtime uh, when he wins the trials. Uh, on a scale of those two things, where where are you? Um, I'd say I'm at a Kevin Cooey nod after a good shot. Okay. You know, he, where he makes a shot and he goes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just did that. Yeah. I'm good at curling. Um, I like I'm, I'm halfway excited of how I would normally be excited. Okay. Um, we talk a lot at the end of the year, like curling fatigue, starting to get warm out and we're like, Oh boy, does anybody really want to be in the curling club anymore? And you know, I'm not still at that kind of level of, Oh geez, curling. Uh, but, but I'm not also like super geeked up and, you know, I haven't cleaned my broom head or anything, getting ready for the new season, organize my, my equipment, uh, get it all ready to go. So that's where I am, uh, at this stage. What, based on what you've said, I can guess yours, but, uh, what about you? Yeah, I'm probably Kevin Cooey in the second end of the first Saturday of the prior. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, it's not a complete sort of no for me. And I do want to play. I, I will say that I could get used to the curling season, at least for us ending in March. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, I have, when we get to April and you're right, I have very little desire to play once the weather gets warm and I could also get used to not starting until after Thanksgiving that, you know, here in Ottawa, we tend to start, it might've even been this week uh, normally that we would have started. So I can get used to this type of schedule, a more condensed schedule just to where the weather is more, Hey, going to curling makes sense to me, makes sense to my brain that I'm going to do this activity. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just, I don't know about how comfortable I'm going to be out there. And I, I haven't been around a lot of people since March. I get up early and I go to the grocery store. I, I try to get there before eight. Sometimes that works, oh my uh, but it's always, it's always before. I always, I always go before nine. So it's, you know, me and four seniors, uh, and that's all the people in the store. Um, uh, so that that's, I've just been avoiding, uh, anytime I have to go inside, it's always with, I'm, I'm always scheduling myself to not be around a lot of other folks. So mm-hmm. this is going to be a big change for me. Uh, so it does make me a little bit nervous, uh, for all the reasons that I said earlier. So, yeah, I don't have that super level of anticipation that I normally do going into a season where I'm really excited and uh, jacked up for it. And also knowing that the social side of the sport, which is really what I enjoy the most, Mm -hmm. that that's not going to be there really kind of bums me out. You know, it's, the people who I play with on Thursday nights, I only see them on Thursday nights in the winter. Um, you know, they're, they're great guys. We all get along well, but we're at very different stages of life. Um, so we don't really socialize outside of the curling club because our lives aren't necessarily aligned in that way. We've gotten together once in the summer, uh, last summer, we didn't see each other this summer, but it's, it's not like we're hanging out all the time. So it's nice to see those guys. Uh, same thing, as I said, that Thursday league has no turnover. So you get used to seeing the same teams over and over again, and you get to know guys on other teams. And again, that's the only time you see those people. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, and the same is is true a little bit on Monday nights. That the only time you really see, uh, I see that team is is playing on Monday nights. So not having the social element with those people who I don't really socialize with outside of the sport does bum me out a little bit and does make me wonder how much I'm going to enjoy it because there's only so much joy that I get out of watching people stand around and talk about strategy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, uh, for you, it's not the most interesting part of the game. I'll no, I'll say that for sure. No. So, so yeah, so, so we'll see what, what, what happens. I do want to say this though, that to everybody, certainly at the Ottawa curling club, who's on the board and to anybody across not just Canada, just really across the world, wherever you're listening to us from, anybody who serves and volunteers on a board at a curling facility, a thank you for doing that. Um, based off of that meeting last night, I I can only imagine all the permutations and all the thought that has had to go into these things. And given that they're volunteers who are doing this and trying to navigate a very challenging situation, just thank you for doing that, for giving up your time and putting your energy towards this to make the sport work uh, in whatever way it is going to work this year. And whether your club's decision was to not play this year, to delay until the new year or to start in the fall, whatever it was, as we said, on an individual basis, I think, you know, if, if you're making those decisions in the best interest of your curling facility, that's okay. And that's fine with, with us. And uh, just a, a big thank you on behalf of all the curling community, if I can be so bold as to speak for the entire curling community. Thank you to everybody who volunteers their time to make this sport run on a, on an annual basis. Yeah. Well said. Well said. I agree. So let us know what you think uh, about this season are you going to play are you not going to play how comfortable are you playing how much do you think where you live influences your thoughts on this Uh, because i'm really curious as to how that plays out as well and certainly whatever your personal circumstances are too uh, whether you know health wise financially all those things we we recognize that uh, there's no one size fits all type solution as we head into the new season. So do let us know what you think. You can reach out Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Game of Stones pod. Scott is at Scott Likes TV and I am at the Sean Graham. So next week we'll be back with a new episode on Monday though. Do join us on Facebook at five o'clock Eastern Daylight Time, where we are going to be doing our weekly chat with Rocks Across the Pond. This week, we are going to be pitching movie ideas, curling movie ideas. So if you have ideas, let us know. The worse, probably the better. It'll be more fun. The more fun, yeah. We'll, we'll get... Uh, yeah, we're taking up... What is it? Uh, the National Film Board challenged us. Oh, yeah. The National Film Board. That's what it's called. Uh, yeah. yeah. So let's get ideas for curling movies out into the uh, public domain and uh, we'll make something happen, hopefully. Yeah. So uh, please do join us for that on a Monday. And please do as well, if you have not 
uh, head over to gamestonespod.com, click on the merch section. We're selling t-shirts, uh, three colors available with our logo on it. All proceeds are going to Food Banks Canada, plus we are matching the proceeds. So uh, I did one, I, I re-upped it. Uh, we're, we're doing the contribution on a monthly basis. So we did one in early September. So as we come to the end of September, uh, if you want to get that order in, uh, we'll make sure that the contribution plus our matching goes in in early October. So you can head on over to GameOfStonesPod.com for that. And please do, if you have not yet subscribed to the show, wherever it is you get your podcast, do the likes, the ratings, the comments, all that kind of stuff helps grow the show, helps other people find us. So that'll do it for today. Scott, now you can relax, sit back, and watch the speech from the throne. Yeah, that's right. Actually, I have a meeting in seven minutes, but uh, I'll put it on. Yeah. So, uh, so thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back with you next Wednesday, but until then keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern.